This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. We're looking at a series of scriptures out of uh, verses 1 through 11 of 2 Peter chapter 1. I want you to go there and follow with me. 2 Peter chapter 1, Simon Peter, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. We're in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Everybody looking at your Bible, marking your Bible, here we go. To those who have obtained like precious faith. Now, we've talked about the like precious faith that we have obtained. It's the same faith that the apostles had. So we have obtained a like precious, valuable faith. And that faith is the same faith the apostles had as they believed in Jesus and walked with Jesus. That's the same faith we have with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace. Everyone shout grace. And peace. Come on, shout peace. Right. Peter says now, grace, undeserved measure of God into your life, the grace of God, something unmerited, undeserved that God gives you, the grace and the peace, that peace is wholeness. Be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Then he starts putting these divines into order that we are to think about as we follow Jesus, we believe in Jesus, we have found Jesus, so Jesus is our Savior. Jesus has given us grace. Jesus has given us forgiveness. Jesus has given us wholeness, positionally and practically. We walk into wholeness. We become whole. God begins to put our life together. And Peter says, by his divine power, underline divine power, he has given us all things, underline all things. The scripture declares that everything we need in life, Jesus has already given us. If you follow the way of Christ and follow the way of the Holy Spirit and the way of grace and peace, you follow the scriptures, you will have everything you need for life. All the counsel you need is in the scripture, all the grace you need, all the changing power, all the power to change your mind and your thinking and your marriage and your job and everything about your habits is in the scripture. Everything you need is in Christ. And here the apostle says, by his divine power, he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us, underlying exceedingly great and precious promises. Now, the precious promises, the, the bar of God, the word of God, the, the speech of God, the principles of God, that which the apostles taught and Jesus taught and also the Old Testament scriptures that are written for our encouragement and admonition. All the promises that have been given us are exceeding and great, precious promises. And through these, you may be partakers of the underlying divine nature. You have divine power. You have divine promises. You have a divine nature. And that divine nature is something that all of us are now dealing with in this series as we add to it, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, we're talking about a ticket to life, and our ticket to life is the tickets that help us escape the world, the world that is filled with everything you don't want to become, the world system, the world thought, the world lust. We escape that by taking the tickets that Peter is talking about, ticket to life. 
Here's my definition. A special pass offered to you by Jesus to enter into specified places that requires someone for us, Jesus, to pay the cost of the ticket. Now, he's the way, he's the gate we enter in. The holder, that's you and me, has faith to receive the tickets and enter. Now, to receive the life of Christ is a personal decision. You have to take the ticket yourself. No one can take it for you. You have to make a decision to believe in Christ. You have to make a decision to take his divine power. You have to make a decision to allow that divine nature to be put into your heart. You have to make a decision that you will follow Christ and all of his promises. It's a personal decision that you make. That ticket that you first get, the ticket of faith to believe, faith to believe, faith has many different levels. And the first level is that you have to believe, faith to believe in Jesus. Some of you are on that journey. Let's keep on that journey because if you will believe in Jesus, believe in the cross, believe in what he has done, your life will change. And that's the ticket you receive. Receiving that ticket, you enter into life now and life eternal. Now the exchange ticket, enables us to give up one thing in order to receive something else. And that's the exchange of my old life for the new life, my old nature for the new nature. A radical spiritual exchange through regeneration coupled with spiritual disciplines. Now, this is what we are actually talking about now in Second Peter chapter 1. We're talking about the spiritual disciplines that we need to add to our new nature. Now, we have a new nature, and that new nature that resides in us is embryonic. It's like a seed that's put inside of us. It's a new man, but the new man has to grow. It's a seed, but the seed has to be watered, and it has to bring forth fruit. And so as you accept Christ, that's the ticket into the gate, but then you have to walk in the way of Christ. Walking in the way of Christ means you make decisions to add some spiritual disciplines to your life. Verse 5. For this very reason, this is where we're up to now, make every effort to add to your faith excellence. And this is the subject we're on today, that you're going to add to your faith. Your faith is in Christ. But you don't stop just with faith in Christ. You add to your faith this thing that the apostle calls excellence. He says two things to us. Make every effort. To make every effort means to bring things into play. Make every effort to add this to your life. Make every effort to bring into play through a persistent effort over and above what is needed to take the initiative. Now, your part in grow and growing Mature, maturing, moving on, let us go on to perfection. As the book of Hebrews says, your part of going on is you take an initiative. You can watch all kinds of weight loss programs and exercise programs and eat right programs, and you can be the most knowledgeable person about nutrition and about what the body needs to have and what the body needs to do with exercise. You can have every thing memorized. You can have the whole video memorized. You can tell other people how to do it. But if you don't take the initiative, you have to take the initiative yourself to change your own diet. You have to take the initiative yourself to change your exercise. You have to take the initiative yourself to have a prayer devotional life. And so the apostle here says, I want you now to take the initiative. And I want you to do it with some real effort. Then he uses the word add. He says, I want you to add to your faith, make every effort and add to supply anything needed in addition to what one has, lavish 
in time and effort, extravagant, not satisfied with the minimum. Now, for your Christian life, the very thing I want to encourage everyone to think about and to hopefully embrace is that you will not embrace lukewarmness. You will not embrace sameness and ruts and old. You will not embrace what used to be. You will not embrace the minimum amount of change for your life. You will not embrace the minimum amount of divine nature you can develop. You will not embrace the idea of minimum for your own Christian life. For you to change is not automatic. You can attend church and still not change. Change has to be an internal decision, a discipline, a walk away. It's something you have to have an initiative about. That's why people who are brand new in Christ can outgrow those that are old in Christ because they add lavishly, extravagantly to their life. They, they really go after it. They initiate. They, they learn the word. They pray. They go after their friends. They win people to Jesus. They take classes. They gain knowledge. They begin to discipline themselves. And, and out of that comes an, an amazing spiritual growth in their life. And you're, you're kind of blown away at how they could grow so rapidly and be so mature, so young. It's because they took the initiative. The excellent ticket is the one we're talking about. Arete is excellence and fulfillment of purpose. And that's the one definition that I want to nail down and add to again in this message. Arete is excellence and fulfillment of purpose. What will be the one thing you will excel in? Well, Peter is saying he wants you to excel in finding and fulfilling the purpose of God in your life. That purpose that pushes you to reach your full potential with courage and strength in the face of adversity. Now, there's several things to that definition. One, it's God's purpose for you, not just your own. Two, you have a potential, but many of us live so far below the potential, we never push beyond, we never go beyond. We don't fulfill the great callings that God has on our life. And so our potential needs to be fulfilled, but we have to understand we have great gifts and great callings and great grace and great promises and a great destiny and a great future. And there are so many things that we could do with greatness and, and achieve things in life and serve other people and, and go on with God, but we have to push past the minimum. We have to become excellent in fulfilling our purpose, even in the face of adversity. Excellence and fulfillment of purpose, I gave you three scriptures. Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You have a purpose, you have a destiny, the hand of God's on your individual life. There are things that God wants you to achieve. First and foremost is that you might become like Jesus, that you might have a changed character, that you might have wholeness of life, that your emotions would be healed, your mind would be healthy, and your gifts would surface, and you would move into the realm of serving other people with your gifts and with your healing and, and with your newness and all that's happening to you because you're going to live like Jesus and share his love. And because of that, there's something going on in your life that allows you to push past the minimum and fulfill the first level of purpose. Your purpose, my purpose, is to become like Christ. It's to be more like Jesus. I know that sounds so basic. 
And it sounds like something maybe you've heard a hundred thousand times. But that is the purpose of the will of God for you and I, is that we actually become more like Jesus. We're in his presence more. We think more like him. We act more like him. Our whole life is structured around him. And we actually become the hands and the feet and the mind and the mouth of Jesus in this life. Why? Because we're called to his purpose. And the first purpose is to develop into a Christ-likeness. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I have a future and a hope. God gives me a future. God gives me a hope. In Ephesians 1, 11, it says that we have obtained his purpose, and it uses the word predestined. Predestined is predetermined, pre-horizon, pre-horizons, horizons set for you, simply meaning you're not an accident on its way to happen. You're not somebody that has to fret and worry that your life is meaningless. When you accept Christ, you accept a thing called purpose. When you accept Christ, you accept somebody with a roadmap for your life. When you accept Christ, you accept a person who is providentially in control of who you are and where you're going. God knows you. God loves you. God wants to change you. And God wants you to have fulfillment in the gifts and callings that you possess. And so when you accept Christ, it's not just uh, a fire escape from hell, although we certainly want that. We don't want to go to hell. We want to go to heaven. The eternal factors are very real, and we want that. But it's more than just eternity. There's also all things that pertain to life and godliness now, which means I've obtained an inheritance. And by that inheritance, which is in Christ, I'm going to become like him. And as I become like him, I follow the counsel of his will. A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite quotes, here it is, the person of true faith, that's you and me, believers, we believe that God orders each life despite the realities assessed by our senses and intellect, despite it despite the way we reason or assess things. He or she travels an appointed way. You're on an appointed way. Whether you realize it or not, God has an appointed a path for your feet. God has a will for you to fulfill. God has a purpose, a target. God has a destiny, a vision. God has something special for you. If you've never heard this before, why don't you say in your heart right now, oh God, express to me what that specialness is. Oh God, open my spirit to what this is. Lord, I need destiny. I need purpose. Lord, I, I need to understand what it means to be on a path and not just a wonder and a person missing the target. You know, the very word sin, the very word sin used in the New Testament means to miss the mark. It's an archery term and it means to miss the mark. Well, that's what sin does. It causes us to miss the target, the mark, the destiny that God has for our life. The devil comes to destroy, kill, take away, mangle. He comes to ruin every part of our hope. But God comes in to give us a faith and God comes in to give us a target. And we are traveling in an appointed way. The journey ordered by the secret script of God's hidden providence. And God has a secret script for you and I, and we're going to run after it. Now, I want you to turn in your Bible and mark this scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 26. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 26. Now, this is the Apostle Paul saying, okay, you know you have a target. I want everyone right now on every campus to shout out loud, very loud right now. I want you to shout the word yes. Yes, we have a target. Yes, we have a destiny. 
Yes, the will of God needs to be fulfilled. Yes, there's a purpose for my life. Yes, I understand that. And because I understand that, I'm going to now run after that. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race, now you're in a race whether you know it or not, all run. Paul says you're in a race, everyone is running. But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain the prize. Now the apostle is simply saying, you're in a race, you have a prize, and you need to run in a way, a certain strategic way, that you would obtain the prize that Christ has for you. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now we're talking about adding to your faith and about running the race. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we, an imperishable crown. Therefore, come on, everyone say, therefore. Therefore, I run thus. How do I run? Not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not like one who beats the air. Paul is saying, I'm a man with a mission. I'm a man on a journey. I'm a man with appointed paths. I'm a man with providence in front of me. I'm a man that's running with temperance and control and faith and with all the energy I have because I know there's a prize for me. I'm not just beating the air and running around. I'm running with purpose. Let me ask you, how are you running? Are you running with purpose? Are you going after it with excellence? Do you have a sense of destiny? Do you have a sense of fulfillment? Do you know that you're on the path? If you're not, my teaching is for you. Please allow the Holy Spirit to press some things into your heart right now and simply just respond by saying, Holy Spirit, put my feet on the path. Holy Spirit, help me to see the target. Holy Spirit, help me to run in a way that I will achieve and obtain the prize that you have for my life. That's your heart response. That's what you're saying. You're saying, Jesus, this is important. And I want to run the race in such a way that I will get the prize that you have for my life. The message translation says, you've all been to the stadium and seeing the athletes race. Well, all of us would have, in person or on TV, we would have watched great races. Everyone runs, but only one wins. The message translation says, run to win. Would you say that out loud with me? Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. Hereafter, one, that Gold is eternal. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. Now, if you would put yourself into the imagery here, and if you would allow this scripture to speak to you, you simply have to see yourself as serving Jesus like an athlete that is running for the gold medal. Now, you would know what that means, that the disciplines and, and all the strategies and all the work that goes into that running the race, and they can be penalized, they can somehow forfeit, but uh, if every muscle is in place and all the coaches are in place and everything happens right, they, they run the race to win for that gold medal. The apostle Paul and Peter both say, now, you've got to add or you've got to run right. And you've got to run in such a way that you will win. And to do that, there's some principles on how to run. And that's what the apostle says here. He says, I'm giving it everything I've got. Can you imagine the apostle Paul 
running the marathon race. He gave it everything he had. He had purpose. He had mission. He had energy. He had sacrifice. He had discipline. He was not a castaway. He was not someone who blew it at the end. He didn't fail. He didn't stumble. He didn't throw everything away. He ran all the way to the finish line. And it says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, there's a crown for me. Why? Because I have fought a good fight and I have kept the faith and there's a crown waiting for me. And as you fight the good fight and as you keep the faith, there's a crown waiting for you. We are to run in a way that we would see ourselves winning the race. Here's the point from this scripture. One, how do you run? Pursue purpose. My encouragement is that everyone listening to me would pursue your purpose with passionate dedication. Paul says, so run. Compete. Be temperate. Passionate dedication means I exert all the effort necessary to achieve. So run. Exert all the effort necessary to achieve. I'm going to run and I'm going to give it everything I have. And I compete. What's that mean? Embrace the agony of preparing to win. Embrace the agony of preparing to win. I'm temperate in all things. What's that mean? Exercising the soul improves Improve the chance of winning, laying aside what? All the extra weights, all the extra things, laying aside those things that somehow cripple my soul. Only you can do this. Exert, embrace, exercise. The soul. Michael Phelps, who most of you would understand, he was the great swimmer, ran all the races and all the medals that he achieved. How did he do that? Listen to his training regimen. He swam minimum 80,000 meters per week. That's 50 miles per week. He practiced five to six hours twice per day. Six days a week. He lifted weights three days a week. The result, 16 Olympic medals. Six gold, two bronze in 2004. Came back with the same discipline, which everyone was wondering if he could do it again and go through the, the agony of training and get to that point where he was at his very best. Well, he did in 2008 in Beijing. He had eight gold medals. Eight gold medals. Why? Because he swam 50 miles per week. Practice six hours in the morning and six hours in the evening. Lift weights in between. What was that? He exerted, embraced, and exercised himself to achieve the best. Number two, if you're going to achieve with excellence the call of God in your life. Number two, pursuing purpose necessitates persistent focus. Passionate dedication. Persistent focus. Paul says, obtain. Reaching out and capturing by force that vision. Paul says, not with uncertainty. Resisting everything that's unclear. Foggy. Resisting that kind of a lifestyle. Paul says, I'm going for the prize. Realizing the end is worthy of all sacrifices. So I exert, embrace, and exercise... And then with persistent focus where I reach, resist, and realize. 
Now, these are some of the finer points of great runners in the race that God has for your life. Reach out and capture it by force. Don't live someone else's vision. Don't live someone else's dream. Dream your own. Run your own race. Capture your own vision. Clarify it. Resist fogginess. Resist the uncertainty that comes around so many people. Realize the end is worthy of all the sacrifices that you can possibly put in to this race. Sorrow looks back. Worry looks around. But faith looks up. Sorrow always looks back. You don't want to be a look back person. Worry always looks around. Everything to worry about. Why I can't do this. Why I won't do that. Why this will never happen for me. Worry looks around. But faith looks up. Would you take your head right now and just tilt it up? I want you to say out loud, I'm a faith person. Come on, say it again. I'm a faith person. I'm not going to let sorrow push me to the back. I'm not going to let worry look at everything around. I'm going to look above and look beyond and by faith. Number three, I'm going to have a fighter's spirit. Pursuing purpose necessitates a fighter's spirit. Paul says, I fight. Come on, say it out loud with me. I fight. I fight. A person who achieves great things is a fighter. A person who achieves great things knows what it's like to stumble and fail and get up again. A person who achieves great things has a fight in their spirit. They won't settle for the minimum. They won't settle for the least. They will get up and they will fight for their future. Come on, church, fight for your future. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your children. Fight for your life. Fight for your character. Fight for your wholeness. Don't give up. Get up again and go after it as one that fights. Second Timothy 4, 7. The good fight. Finish the race. Things that I will need to fight on, fight with, fight through. Here they are. Things I want to change, but I'm not changing. I want to change, but I'm not changing. Change it. Things I want to stop, but I'm not stopping. Things I started, but I never finished. Things I want to have and do, but I've given up on it. Things I want to be, but I've never become. Fight through. If you've given up on something, fight through it. If you stop short, fight through it. If you have discouragement, fight through it. Every person that's achieved anything in the life, this life, as a Christian and a non-Christian, both have to have the same spirit. As a Christian, you should even have more fight where you will not settle to live in one tree. In my office at my house, Across the street from me is a line of trees and there's squirrels that live in those trees. And I've watched those squirrels, especially early in the morning, where they go from tree to tree. And I've watched some of them make jumps that I was sure 
they would die. Sometimes I'm so mesmerized by them that I just fold my arms and I'll just sit there maybe for 20, 30 minutes and just watch these squirrels because they're fascinating to me. And I've watched them try to jump from one tree to another and hit a branch that was so far away and say there's no possible way they will ever hit that branch. But you know what? They didn't. They didn't hit the branch. They hit the next one down or the next one lower. But I've never seen a squirrel jump at any length and not land on some branch, never hit the ground. I've never seen them fail. They just scramble back up and go. And then it dawns on you. If you're not willing to jump, if you're not willing to go to that far branch, you will live your whole life in the same tree. Can you imagine a squirrel that would be afraid to jump and live their whole life in the same tree? What a boring squirrel that would be. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be a boring squirrel. You've got to jump. You've got to get out of the tree. You've got to go for the far branch. God's grace will catch you. You will not fall to the ground. There will be a lower branch you will hit. You will land somewhere. God will help you. Shoot for the stars. Don't shoot for the trees and hit the ground. Shoot for the stars and hit the trees. Shoot high. Go Far, go beyond. Be excellent in your research for your life and what you want to be. Don't just let other people dictate that. Get out of your tree. Excellence is stretching forward in the face of adversity. Now you're going to have adversity. We all have it. Philippians 3, 13, 14. I'm going to stretch forward how? In the face of adversity. Excellence is really matured in the fire. In the adversity, in the hard times, in the valleys, in the brokenness, in the darkness, in the times where you think you maybe are at your weakest point, you're actually at your strongest point. God has put it into your spirit, steel. He's put it into your spirit, strength. He's put it into your spirit, knowledge of his ways. And he's testing your faith so that your faith will be stretched and grow. Philippians 3.13, I'm not saying that I have all of this together, that I've made it, but I'm well on my way. This is the Apostle Paul again, Philippians 3, 13, 14. I'm reaching out to Christ who has so wonderfully reached out to me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. But I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. Come on, church. Somebody give the Lord Jesus a shout and a clap about right now. Come on, everyone, every campus, come on. I am not turning back. Would you say it out loud with me? I am not turning back. One more time. I am not turning back. We're not going to turn back. Our eyes are focused on Jesus. And when adversity comes, it's a Bible word, some distress, some affliction, some tight place, some sorrow, some surprise. It's okay. I'm pressed on every side, but I'm going to get through my adversity and go to the next level. Excellence and spirit and attitude stretches forward in adversity. You have a chance to stretch forward. Why? Because you have an excellent spirit, an excellent attitude. You're not going to be the squirrel in the same tree. You're, you're going to try the jump. You're going to, you're going to get out of the boat and walk on the water. You're going to get through the tight place. You're going to be like Joseph and get out of that pit and get out of that prison and finally get to the place where you're supposed to be. It's excellence and spirit 
that stretches forward in adversity. Proverbs 24, 16, a righteous man may fall seven times, but they rise again. But the wicked shall fall. What happens? Psalm 37, 24, though he fall, he shall not be cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Excellence of attitude and adversity is to lean into Jesus, believe Jesus, Know that you can reach beyond with a never give up spirit. Number one, this is your excellence. Please take these seven last points down very quickly. Reaching beyond with a never give up spirit. Number two, refusing to consider decisions that I know are right. Don't give up on them. If they're right, stay with them. Three, making present commitments to avoid future failures. The way you prepare, the way you discipline is how you prepare for your future achievements. <clears throat> Making present commitments to avoid future failures. Four, devoting the energy necessary to hit the mark. I know it's going to take energy and take some discipline, but I'm, I'm ready to go with this. Five, removing any and all obstacles that hinder my progress. What are they? Little foxes that spoil the vine. Little habits that ruin greatness in your life. Come on, get rid of them. Don't stay with them. Recognizing number six, the highest and best for God requires what? Pay the price. You can't get the eight gold medals without the 50 miles a week of swimming. Come on, you got to pay the price. And seven, become an alert to this thing that gets all of us sometimes, anger and mediocrity. Become alert and actually become angry with mediocrity. What is mediocrity? Something that is adequate. But it's not very good. But it's adequate. Indifference is an attitude. Mediocrity is an attitude. It's okay. It's not the top. But I'm all right. Don't be indifferent. Don't be mediocre. Shoot for the sky. I want you to read this prayer declaration as we close. Everyone out loud, this is on the screen. Read this out loud with me right now as your prayer response to the word. Everyone together, today I surrender my life into God's hands. Knowing he has a unique plan for me, I resolve to fulfill my God-given purpose with passionate dedication, persistent focus, and courage in the face of adversity. Come on, stretch your hands out. Father, here we are this day. Lord, we give you everything we are. We put our life into your hands. Lord, we are so pumped about this. We are so excited. Today is a new day. I can serve with excellence. I can go forward. I can get out of my tree. I can jump further. I can, I can go to achieve the things you've called me to achieve. Oh God, help us in every way to achieve excellence in our life. In the mighty name of Jesus.